Welcome to the Stewardship Project. I'm Sean Salitro. I'm Andrew Mitchell. If you've ever been challenged with the idea that stewardship goes beyond finances and time, then you're in the right place. And we will be your guides. Welcome to the Stewardship Project. I'm here with Andrew, and today we are joined by Jared Lopez, founder of DadTired.com, which is a, a nonprofit ministry that focuses on uh, educating fathers or equipping fathers, I would say, more about leading in their homes and in their lives. Uh, Jared, if you could just kind of give us a little bit of a background, just for those of those in our audience who might not know how you kind of got started with Dad Tired, that would be awesome. Yeah, well, it's hard to summarize that in a real short answer because Dad's Hired started in, a, in kind of a weird way. But um, our goal is to equip men to lead their family well. A lot of guys um, are, have high motivation to be great dads, um, but we don't always have like the know-how to do that. And uh, I, I certainly didn't. I have four kids, um, and uh, I had high motivation to be a great dad, but I, I didn't really know what I was doing when I became a dad. I still don't really feel like I know what I'm doing, but uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't grow up with a dad. Re- I, my dad bailed mm. when I was three, and so I had no example of what that looked like to, to be an engaged man uh, for my wife and for my kids. And uh, it came out of a season where uh, I thought we were going to get a divorce, actually. I was in a really, really dark mm. spot in my own life, um, depressed, um, didn't have a job. Um, we were just, we were fighting all the time, Layla and I, and, Mm -hmm. um, there was a moment where she, in the middle of a fight, like I was ready to fight. Uh, she, if you've been married for longer than six months, you kind of know when fights are coming, you can sense it. (laughs) Um, uh, and so she said something and I'm like, Oh, okay. We're about to, we're about to get into it again. And so I was in such a dark place that I'm like, I'm just gonna say something to hurt her. Um, she's smarter than me, so I couldn't fight well, like she, she could outsmart me in a fight. And so I was in such a dark place that I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to say things that hurt her. And that's, that will be my tactic to win. I didn't consciously think all that, but that's like, Mm -hmm. you know, subconsciously how I was playing that out. And so I said something to hurt her and she started to cry and I was like, oh, I'm winning. Like I was in such a bad spot. I'm like, I'm winning this fight. And, um, she looked at me and she said, Jared, I've been waking up every morning in the middle of the night. Um, she had been waking, setting her alarm for 2.30 in the morning. She had been going in the living room, and she had been praying that God would capture my heart again. And I always say, dude, like, it's easier to, I would have, I was prepared to fight. I was not prepared for that, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to hear your wife say that she's been waking up in the middle of the night praying for you. I didn't know how to respond to that with something mean, you know? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Even in a dark spot, I wasn't like that big of a jerk. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> keep going with my anger. And God really used that moment to soften my heart. Uh, Roman says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And it was really the kindness of God through my wife Mm. that uh, just softened my heart and started to bring my heart back to his. And I happened to write a little blog about that very millennial thing of me to do, like process my emotions online. Mm -hmm. And uh, that ended up going viral. I I wasn't a blogger. Nobody was reading. I I wasn't even trying to be a blogger. I just was was more like a Facebook post essentially that I had written. And it went viral and had all these guys from around the world be like, um, dude, I relate. I'm not the kind of man that I want to be. Mm. And, uh, but I don't want to give up on my family. And so that's how dad tired started, like totally by accident. Um, 
was not trying to start anything, but now it's eight years later, a full-time ministry. That's great. So you get at that point, did you guys have kids? We had two kids and my son was, um, he was the same age I was when my dad bailed on me. So I was really messing with Mm -hmm. him emotionally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's interesting that you bring up that idea of we can know the right things to do, but oftentimes, or not not oftentimes, there are definitely points in time where those things kind of collide with the fact that we're not actually doing them. Yeah. So I'm curious if you can speak to that a little bit more as far as, you know, a lot of times we have this motivation, we have this drive that we want to do something or we want to be great dads. Can you talk us through a little bit of how to get over that hurdle of the knowing to actually get to the doing? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't have any magic pull, bolt sure. for that or bolt. <laughs> no. You know, it's like, a, but that's that's the war of humanity, right? Like we, yeah. we here's what we want to do, and we can't get ourselves to do it. Um, I I always I wrote a, the very first book I ever wrote was called Stop Behaving, and the point of that book was not just to um, to stop trying to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like, mm-hmm. all right, I just need to figure this out. You know, I just got. Why can't I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus was never about like, man, if you just did these five things every morning, you'd, you'd be the person I wanted you to be, you know, <laughs> he was always about heart change. And so yeah. that, that's what I noticed in myself was like, I was trying, I knew all the things to be a better dad, better mm-hmm. husband. Like I could, I could have written, you know, probably a book on that alone. Like I, everyone kind of knows, but I didn't, I wasn't doing them and I couldn't get myself to do it. And that's the, that's the whole crux of Christianity is if you could just will yourself to be a perfect person, you'd do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there hasn't been a single person on the face of the earth ever that has been able to do that except Jesus. Um, and so the point wasn't for me to be like, I just got to figure this out. The point for any guy listening isn't just figure this out. The point is to say, actually, I can't figure this out. And this is beyond my own capacity. I need, I don't just need a, a better heart or a more disciplined heart. I need a brand new heart. And that's what I feel like Jesus was doing for me is like, uh, let me, let me, uh, I mean, this is the whole, again, whole point of Christianity that I would say, I'm going to die to myself. Who yeah. I am is not worthy and not capable. And so I'm going to die to myself and I want Christ to become alive in me, to do in me what I can't do on my own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that make that makes so much sense when you say it, it, it almost like, as I'm hearing you say that, it's like, yeah, that's great. Like, I, I love that idea, but like, it's still like causes me to ask that question of like, okay, so how do we get there? Like, (laughs) I I I want that. Like, how do we get there? (laughs) Yeah. I think the, how do we get there is, um, this is like not a fun answer. Sure. But, um, how we get there is a constant state of repentance, Mm. which is not, we don't really talk about that very much and it's not very exciting. You know, I'd Mm -hmm. rather just be like, here are the 10 steps, do this, wake up at 5 a.m. and do these 10 things and you will be the man God's called you to be. (laughs) Um, I think what it gets to is like, am I willing to daily face my own sin? Mm -hmm. Um, Because that does a few things in me. One, it it, it, uh, immediately points out in me and myself, I'm not capable of doing this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough discipline to be the man God's called me to be. But then the beautiful part of it, the good news is, um, I'm also pointing back to God's grace. And then I get to say, okay, I, I'm, I am wicked. I'm sinful. I don't, nobody drifts towards godliness. We all drift towards sin. Every single yeah. dude, every single person, we all drift towards sin. 
And so I say, okay, if you leave me alone, I'm going to drift towards sin. And that's the, that's the, 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 how my heart is prone to wander. And yet there's a God who sees me and delights in me and has transferred that. Like we said, nobody on earth has ever lived a perfect life, but he transferred that innocence onto my guilty life. And then says, I I actually call you son, not based on anything you can do, but just based on who I say you are. And I love you deeply. And it's that, that tension of like, I'm holding my sin, but I'm also holding the goodness of God. And that somehow motivates me to be a better husband and father and disciple, you know? Absolutely. So in in talking about a little bit more about your story, I guess, and I don't want to just keep dragging your personal story out there, but no, 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 it's it. I've written about it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's out there. Um, when you were in those beginning stages of really just kind of fleshing these things out for yourself, uh, I feel like, especially a lot of what your ministry and other ministries do is they're teaching men to lead because that's, that's what we're inclined to do is, is lead and we want to lead well. And that's what we feel gives us sometimes our identity. Um, but in that, we also don't always know, do our best because of pride and different things in our lives. We don't do our best with following well. And we, you know, we have to look to Christ to, to be the one that we follow in everything that we do and how we steward things. And sometimes that means that we've got to look for others in our lives, either others who have been there before or, you know, elders who have kind of gone down that path of fatherhood and have done it well to look to how they've done it. And in your life or how you've seen this done well, who are some of your mentors that you really just kind of latched on to, especially in those early years when you're on that path of making those changes? You don't have to name names if you don't want to drag them into it, but um, what are some people that you look to, especially because of your background? Yeah, man, it's interesting. You know what's interesting about that? And uh, this is, uh, like, I just want to be really honest for guys who are listening and realistic. There are, it is hard to find older men willing to (laughs) speak into younger guys, younger dads. And I think it is, there's a lot of guys, especially in our churches, um, they just feel like they don't know what value they have to bring. And so they kind of like they do their life and then they get their kids out of the house and then they retire and they go golf and collect seashells. You know, it's like, dude, you have more to offer the church than that. Like there's a lot of us young dudes who could really use your wisdom, yeah. but it is hard to find guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my own sin, you know, I just said that we drift away from God um, mm-hmm. in my own sin and rebelliousness. And when I was in a really dark place, I wasn't looking like, OK, I, let me go seek out a mentor and some guy that could pour into me. Uh, I wasn't, I didn't want to be around anybody. I was like, I forget that dude. I don't want to be around anybody. Mm-hmm. But there was one guy in particular who really didn't see his life as like retiring, playing golf and collecting seashells. Although he could have, he, he had ran the race well and he could have tapped out, but he was like, no, I'm going to pour my life into some younger guys. And he latched onto me. It was less of me like pouring into him or like seeking him out. It was him like seeking me out. His name's Monty. And he, he just, I didn't know he was like discipling me, but he was, he was like, I was at his house all the time. He I was eating so many meals with him. I was watching him be a dad. I was watching him be a husband. And he just forced me. One time he, he like picked me up. He's like, Hey, you want to go play golf? And I was like, I don't know how to play golf, but sure. I'll go play golf with you. And he picked me up and then we drove to a cemetery. I'm like, what am I <laughs> like? Well, are you going to kill me? I'm like, what is happening out here? And before we went and played golf, he made me walk the cemetery with him and just look at the gravestones of all these people who had died. And he's like, dude, look how short life is. Look how short life is. What are you chasing after right now? That's just like, it's not going to matter 50 years from now, hundred years from now. It was so impactful for me. I'm like, I'm looking at all these people. Yeah. I'd never done that before. I'd never like walked a graveyard, you know, and like look at tombstones. 
And uh, it was so impactful just to like look at their names and their dates. And I'm like, dude, some of them live like 50 years. I'm like, I best case scenario, let's just say, you know, I think the average lifespan for a male in the United States, it's somewhere in the 70s, I think, high mm-hmm. 70s. Don't quote me on that. We could probably chat GBT that real quick and figure out what the, <laughs> what the actual answer is. Um, but it, I, I think it's somewhere in the 70s. Bro, if that's true, I've, I'm halfway done. I'm halfway yeah. done with my life. 50% of my race is over. And that's best case scenario. That's if I don't get a terminal illness or go get hit by a car. Best case scenario, I have 50, I, I mean, I'm 50% of the way done. Th- how does that not motivate you? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to get off of this interview. And when that's at the forefront of my brain, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to put my stupid phone down and I'm just going to look my babies in their eyes. I'm going to roll a ball yeah. with them. I'm going to go outside with them. Like, I, I time is real, real short. I know I went on a tangent there, but I get real no, like, passionate about No, that's great. I'm going to die soon. You know, like I got to get, <laughs> I got to stop wasting time. But yeah, anyway, he was a big, he was a big mentor to me. That's Absolutely. Awesome. That's great. I'm curious, you, you've talked a little bit about these little aspects of kind of the Christian life that really lead us to this heart transformation that we need as dads to be able to really live up to, you know, kind of the, the, the desire that we have of being a good dad. I'm curious as you were kind of, you know, walking through that in your own story or kind of as you've walked with other people through that, what are things that dad should dads should be doing to really be more impactful on their kids or to be showing up in the way that you're, you're kind of talking about. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give a, a churchy answer that nobody will want, um, but that I really <laughs> believe in. And then I'll try to give a more practical answer. So the, the, the answer that is feels churchy, but that I really believe in is you will never make an eternal impact on your kids' lives unless you sincerely love Jesus yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do all the devotionals in the world, take them to church all the, as many times as you want, talk to them about God. But dude, if you don't really love Jesus, um, this is harsh language. I feel this for my, I've been f- feeling convicted of this myself. So I'll just say it to myself. Sometimes I feel like a whitewashed tomb, you know, when mm-hmm. Jesus says that, like mm-hmm. I, I look real pretty on the outside, <clears throat> but it's just full of dead bones on the inside. And, uh, and your kids can sniff that out. They're just like, yeah, you're just talking. Um, and most the, the stats of kids that are leaving the faith right now is just, it's it's super scary, honestly. How many kids yeah. are leaving the faith? And most of them say that they don't really think that their that their parents believed what they were what they were preaching. That it didn't actually have an impact on their day to day life. <laughs> so I got them to go to church. I got them to do this stuff. But like dad didn't he didn't really believe that. You know he didn't <laughs> really believe that stuff. It, he he liked to kind of play the moral game, but he didn't really believe that. And dude, that's scary. So you'll, I know that's a churchy answer, but you think about Deuteronomy and this will all lead into the mm-hmm. the practical side here. But Deuteronomy six says, you know, hero Israel that the Lord, your God is one. What does the Lord require of you? Uh, he says to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. So that's the start of it. And then, and then teach these things to your children. So before you're teaching things to your children, you're first loving the Lord with everything you have. And we got a lot of Christian dads who just want to teach their kids Christian things, but they've Mm -hmm. missed the first part, which is themselves loving the Lord with everything that they've got. Um, And so that's what I I want to be a man who genuinely loves Jesus with every ounce of my being. And then 
I think when you have that, you get a lot of grace in like the practical stuff. Like you'll fumble through, dude, our <laughs> devotional times are chaotic. Our dinner times are chaotic. My daughter's throwing spaghetti at my face, you know, and I'm trying to talk <laughs> about Jesus. Like all of that stuff is messy and doesn't look very good. But I think, again, if you, if you really do love Jesus and they sense that, you kind of get some grace yeah. for those outside things. The practical stuff is this. I, I have four kids from 12. My oldest is almost 13 down to two years old. And uh, what I've learned is the biggest discipleship moments, the biggest impact, impactful moments I've had on my kids have not been in like a devotional before bed or a cool dinner time. Most of them, the most impactful moments have happened in some kind of like sin or mess, either on their part or my part. So when I failed or they have failed, there seems to be those moments seem to be the biggest moments of like pointing all of our eyes back to Jesus. And so what that does, what that takes is a dad that says, okay, I'm not just going to use the, the, like the, the fancy parts of life. Like I got a new devotional. Let's sit down for 15 minutes before bed. Do that. Absolutely do that. But the biggest discipleship moments will probably be when you lost your temper. And uh, dude, I, I don't know if I've told anyone this, uh, it happened so recently, but I don't, I'm trying to think of if I shared this anyway, my son and I got into it the other day. Like he was, it's a long story, but. I was, I was at the peak of my like frustration and uh dude i took his xbox controller and i just threw it on the ground and i broke it and and like i was literally that was at like 11 45 a.m and at 12 i had to go to the airport to go speak at a conference <laughs> so like i'm 15 minutes before i'm gonna go speak at a conference to go like tell some dads how to be good dads and christian dads i'm literally losing my stuff on my son Um, and now I've got 15 minutes to try to figure out how am I going to redeem that time? Mm. But I went into my son's room and he was sitting on his floor and, and I just sat next to him. And as soon as I sat next to him on the floor, he started to bawl. He started to cry Mm. and he was actually mad at himself for something he had just done to his sister. And I was mad at myself for the way that I responded to him. And so I just pulled him in, you know, he's, he's almost a teenager now. And I just pulled him in like when he was a little boy, a baby. And I just held him and he started bawling on my chest. And, um, it was a really like, I was so great. I remember getting in the car and just thanking God, God, thank you for that moment of grace on both of us, for both of us, um, that we got to connect in that. But I have a feeling that that will stick out to him that day. And the stuff that we talked about in those 15 minutes of both of us crying will stick out to him more than any devotional, you know, that I yeah. have given him at any other time. So I know that was kind of a side tangent, but I think that's, that's, that's where the real stuff happens. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that because it was just this morning. Um, I'm, I'm in this season right now of life where I'm doing the stay at home dad thing for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is working. And so uh, we were dropping my wife off this morning and I was, you know, stepping in the car, I was just having a conversation with her and I was just saying goodbye to her, which is like, that's our five minutes right there. Where we're saying goodbye in the morning. Yeah. And my son opens the door and wants to say goodbye to her too. And it just slams me right in the back and he wasn't paying attention, but I'm like, all of her coworkers are walking by. She's right there. I was embarrassed. And so right away, I, I had a moment where I, you know, I lashed out where I, I just closed the door on him. I was just like, mm-hmm. And right away, I was convicted, like, oh, I shouldn't have handled it like that, like right in front of him, Mm -hmm. in front of everybody. He's embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Yeah. And so there was that time where we had to take a few minutes and just kind of talk and have it Mm -hmm. out. And I had to get on his level and listen to him. Yeah. And one of the most valuable things that someone ever taught me was a pastor that we had when we were were just married. We hadn't had kids yet, but he said one of the most valuable things that he ever learned was how to apologize to his kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, I... 
you know, that wasn't something that was kind of new to me and fresh to me. Like, apologize to your kid for what? You're the dad. Yeah. And but there's so many of those moments where I've seen now as a young dad. Yeah. I mean, he's he's seven, and just recognizing the value of getting down on his level and and yeah. being humble and just admitting that like I I mess up too. Yeah. I do, mm-hmm. and yeah. I need grace, and not just from you, but from I need the grace of God to continually to come to Him in repentance. And yeah, they do need to see that modeled. And dude, that's so cool. Huge. Yeah, it's so cool that you're doing that and that you did that today. Because what you just said at the end there, that's like that's gospel. That's the difference between gospel parenting and just like good mm-hmm. moral parenting. What you said there is, I need grace too, because mm-hmm. if you didn't, if he didn't have a dad, if your son didn't have a dad that was doing that then one day your your seven-year-old is going to be a 17-year-old and you're going to try to talk to him about the gospel in a really deep way as he's starting to experience real pains of life and he's going to make some major deci- bad decisions mm-hmm. and you're going to say dude you need the grace of jesus right now you have failed mm-hmm. and you you're deep in sin and you need christ and if he doesn't have a dad that has ever shown repentance that has ever shown that he has failed then he'll be like, okay, you know, I hear your message, I hear you're talking, but I'm, I have no context for what it means to repent. But for you to start teaching him at seven, like I'm a man who repents daily because I, I just failed you and I failed God and I need grace and I need Jesus to come make my heart new. You're actually teeing him up so that when the gospel and the spirit of God comes and the gospel presentation or where, you know, however he hears the gospel message and then the spirit of God works in him, it will make sense to him, hopefully. That he'll be like, no, my dad taught me what it looks like to be a man who repents, and uh, so it's gospel parenting, bro. That's really cool stuff. What you're doing, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm curious uh, if I, Andrew, if you don't mind, if I interject no, go here. Ahead. Um, obviously, you've got four kids, range from two to like, two to almost thirteen. You said, which is nuts to me because I've got <laughs> I've got three and seven, and that yeah. feels chaotic sometimes. Yeah, yeah totally. And it's it's so hard for me to do those moments of you know, sitting down for dinner and wanting to be intentional with these, I get this little bit of time with you where you're sitting down and we're doing dinner and I want to do something, you know, gospel centric or I want to pray intentionally or do something. And then before bed, when they're all hyped up and, you know, full of energy and like, can we, can we just sit down and like do something and talk? And the, I mean, obviously their body language is saying, no, not right now. But I mean, how do you do that with four even? And especially with the age range. Bro, I think I lose my salvation every night at about seven o'clock, you know, when I'm trying to put four kids to bed. I'm just like, <laughs> you want to you want to lose all credibility. Nobody, everybody would burn my books if they saw me at seven o'clock nightly, you know, just like I do it really terribly. Um, it's, it is it is by far the most stressful time for me. Um, so that's an honest answer. But I, it goes back to so that Deuteronomy verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And then teach your children. The, the rest of that verse says, as you're walking down and as you're mm-hmm. laying and as you're sitting mm-hmm. going along the way basically the the point is as you go like teach them these things and so my and I, I don't know if i ever hit the practical side of that answer that i said i was going to before but i think through discipleship more in 15 second moments than 15 minute studies or or time so i'm yeah. looking for as many 15 second moments throughout the day in real life as we go that can point my eyes back, point my children's eyes back to the kingdom of God. So it could be something as simple. I've done this where my son, I'm coaching a soccer team and uh, the sunset is insane. And I'm just like bend down to him in the middle of practice. I'll just whisper in his ear. I'll be like, dude, look how creative God is. Isn't that so cool? Mm. 15, like it's like mm-hmm. a six second moment where I'm just trying mm-hmm. to shift his eyes off of a soccer practice back to the kingdom of God, like all of life. 
there was one time where we were at the grocery store with my son and the, there was an argument, a uh, husband and wife arguing on the other side, the other aisle across from us. Mm -hmm. Couldn't see them, but you could hear them. It was like awkward, you know? And so they're fighting and she says something loud. Like she says, I will never for, I'll never forgive you for this. And it's like awkward, you know, and my son, he can clearly hear it and I hear it and I'm like, oh geez. So I'm like, all right, let's just use this like 15 second moment. So I get down on his level. I literally bend down. And I look him in the eyes. I said, son, I want you to know that I will always forgive you for anything, no matter what, because Jesus always forgives us. And he started to get tears in his eyes. And I was like, holy cow, like this is like yeah. working, like this spiritual leadership thing is working. This is crazy. And I'm like, I'm looking at him and his eyes are welled up with tears. And he's like, daddy, I have to go poopy so badly. Is there a bathroom here? <laughs> And I was like, that kid did not hear one word I said. You know, he was—he wasn't. I don't even think he heard the argument. Like he was just all focused on a bathroom emergency. And uh, <laughs> the point of that story is, I'm just trying to use every 15 second moment. And, yep. and the whole point of Dad Tired, we always say, stumbling our way to spiritual leadership, because mm -hmm. most of the time it looks like that. Honestly, most yeah. of the time it looks like that. But I'm, as a dad, I'm just trying to think through as many 15 second moments as possible to point their eyes to Jesus, even when uh, it doesn't always work out. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious, so you've referenced a lot of either little moments or pieces of scripture that you're kind of sharing or referring back to as you're working with or walking life with your kids. I'm curious for other dads, like how do you, how do you kind of live in that tension of like pouring into myself so I have something to pour into my kids, but also living that kind of sacrificial life that you're talking about and being able to lay ourselves down for our families and for our kids. Yeah. If I'm understanding the question, is it, is it like a time is the question about time? Like how do I, how am I spending time with Jesus before I can pour it into them? Is that the question? Yeah, I think, I think that is it. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, that there's only so much time in the day and we don't want to be all about, well, I just have to take care of me and like yeah. focus on myself. Like we really do have to do stuff for our kids, but yeah, just, yeah. Trying to, trying to figure those things out, I guess. Yeah. I dude, I'm so I'm 36. Um, I think any dude that's listening to the podcast, if he's somewhere around our age, um, I think any guy, if they're really honest with themselves, knows how much stupid stuff we spend time on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm playing fantasy football with all my neighbors, right? Yes. Like, that's just, yep. uh, you know, I probably spent, <laughs> I don't even want to admit how many hours like on my line. And it literally means nothing. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like it means nothing. So we have time, like all of us have to, it's not really a time yeah. issue. It's an intentionality issue. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if I got 15 minutes before bed, I could, instead of worrying about my fantasy lineup, I could just like put on the Bible app and have it read to me the gospels. And I could fly through the gospels probably 10 times over before yeah. the year's done. We're recording this in October. You know, literally if I just spent 15 minutes every night and I just went sick, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just did that for 15 minutes. I'd probably get through the gospels multiple times before the year's over, you know yeah. what I mean? And then I would just be implanting the word of God in my heart. Um, so it really, for me, it's a, it's a, it's not a time issue. I'm busy, dude. I'm trying to, I do a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. but I have time. I have time to like meditate on the word of God. And, uh, and the, the problem is when we don't do like, we just make up God in our own head, like who we think mm -hmm. he should be or what we want him to be. And we're all yeah. susceptible to that regardless of how long you've been a Christian. Like if I'm not, 
God has a reputation. And when I'm not spending time with him, I start to make up who I, he starts to sound like me. <laughs> he likes everyone I like. He's mad at all the people I'm mad at. He's thinking yeah. politically the way I'm thinking politically. Like it, everything is like, I'm like, that's not God. That's idolatry. God, I'm just serving yeah. myself. But when you're fa- when you're in the word of God, you're like, oh, he, he has his own reputation. He does things differently than I do them. And uh, his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And um, it's hard to be like Jesus if we don't spend time with Jesus, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going back to that intentionality piece, which Andrew knows, that's a, that's a word that I don't love. <laughs> obviously, because I just think it's overused, but I think it's obviously mm-hmm. it, it's a good word because it's a good thing. Um, but when we're being intentional, I, I think of it so much as my personal side as being intentional with my sons because I have two boys. Andrew's got a daughter. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, just from hearing you talk, you've got daughters and sons. Yeah. Where do you find like, how, what have you what have you learned personally about how intentionality is different between doing it with a daughter and doing it with your sons? Well, can I speak to the intentionality piece for mm-hmm. a second? Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, since especially since you don't like it. <laughs> oh, I like it now. I will just yeah. say I didn't start by liking it. Yeah, I've come. I, that, I've come to terms with it. Okay, I would love to unpack that. That's interesting. I'd love to unpack that and hear your thoughts on that more. But um, oh. yeah, I think of it like. If I just, so I live in South Carolina now and um, we just moved here from Oregon. But if I got on the car, if I just loaded the kids up in the car right now, spontaneously, I just got off this podcast and I'm like, all right, everybody get in the car. And we just started driving down on the freeway. We just started like go, no clue where we're going. We just started going. Um, every time we see an interesting billboard, we might pull off. It's like, oh dude, there's a, there's a park over there. All right, let's get off. There's a theme park. There's a there's a cool, they have a, they have like a, um, have you get, where do you guys live? Michigan, Michigan. Yeah. Okay. So there's something here in the South. I'm, this is new to me, but there's like a, there's a gas station called Bucky's. If you haven't heard listeners. of it. Oh yeah. 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 Apparently it's not a gas station. It's like a amusement park. <laughs> like I've pretty much people are eating like <laughs> barbecue and like going yeah. on a ride. And I'm like, what is happening? I don't know if the ride thing's true, but it's like a, <laughs> you know, it's like a Walmart. You're it's like coming. buying an engagement ring for your wife and like getting your tires fixed. It's like a whole deal. <laughs> I haven't been to one yet. But, you know, that might sound interesting. You get a billboard for that. It's like, let's just get off there. And all of a sudden you're finding, you're just getting off on every exit that sounds interesting versus if I got in the car with them and I said, hey, we're going to Disney World, which is about four hours away from us. Mm-hmm. If I see all the, this, the flashy billboards, even if they look flashy, I'll be like, nah, dude, we're getting to Disney World. And the kids would be like, no, please don't stop. Don't stop at Bucky's. Don't stop at anywhere else. like the park. Get to Disney World. So the point being, the intentionality piece is I know where I'm going as a man and with my family and the world is going to be the billboards that try, Hey, your boss is going to be like, Hey, yeah, you could probably work a couple extra hours or my, my neighbor's going to be like, come on, Jared, you can put a little bit more time into your fantasy team or whatever the flashy thing is. That's going to try to distract me. If I don't know where I'm going, I have no intentionality. I'll get off the exit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I could go deeper in that analogy, you know, even sinful stuff. It's like, yeah, I'll just dabble with this a little bit. It's not a big deal. But if I know where I'm going, it's like, dude, no, I'm not going to pull off of that exit because I know the destination I'm trying to get to, which for me is I want to be an old man holding my old wrinkly wife's hand and we have gray hair or no hair and our kids love Jesus and our great yeah. kids are great grandkids that love Jesus. Like that's the goal. And so we mm-hmm. just don't get off. So anyway, that was a, a tangent for the intentionality piece. But that's like when I think of intentionality, that's kind of the right. The I think, and that's awesome. I think that's awesome. <laughs> You're like, I still don't like it. I'm no, no, no. no. <laughs> Never that makes it, that makes it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
boys versus girls, dude. Here's what I found in my my uh, experience is I'm um, too hard on my boy and I'm too easy on my girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, my I have three girls and one boy, and I, I I am hard on my son. I think subconsciously because for two reasons. One, I'm like, dude, I didn't have a dad around. I'm gonna pour everything I've ever wanted in a man when I was growing up into you. And I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes I overwhelm him on that because I'm just like every moment is an intentionality (laughs) moment going back to intentionality, right? Just going to overwhelming. And sometimes I feel like I just needed to delight in my son. You know, just like, I'm proud of you. I love you. Like you don't have to do anything today, like worthy of praise. I just love you. Who Mm -hmm. cares how you Mm -hmm. played sports or what you accomplished in school. I just, man, I really, really love you. You're Mm -hmm. my boy and I'm really proud of you. That's hard because I, as men, we want to see, we see a little version of ourselves and boys. And we're like, oh man, I so badly want you to be a better man than me. And um, sometimes I think there's so much health in that. But sometimes I find personally that I push too hard mm-hmm. and I just need a delight in him. And then on the opposite end for my girls, I don't think I challenge them enough sometimes because they're just like, those are my baby girls, man. Those are, I just want to protect them and love on them mm-hmm. and kiss yeah. them and, you know, do it. They're just so cute. And lo- but I think, God is calling me to like, no, man, challenge them. These are women mm-hmm. of God. Call them to be smart and courageous and have wisdom and bold and all these things. So those are the challenges I'm finding. Absolutely. That's my wife was just telling me last night, you know, oh, you're a pushover when it comes to your daughter. Yeah, it's like, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I am. I am totally. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, we've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm curious, you know, as as people are kind of getting amped up and, you know, realizing getting that motivation back to be good dads, what types of resources are out there? Obviously, Dad Tired has a, all kinds of stuff that you're putting out there. Feel free to share some of that. Share some other stuff that's been impactful to your life. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, so at Dad Tired, I mean, we're just trying to, like, help guys talk through this stuff every day. And the other thing is we're trying to – surround them with like-minded men so it's easy to find Mm -hmm. dudes who will play fantasy football with you or try a craft beer with you or whatever the thing like some hobby but it's it's a lot harder to find dudes who are like no man i really want to win this race well run this race well like and to find like-minded guys like that it's pretty rare so we we have a big community tens of thousands of guys who are part of the dad tired community all over the world um so if you're looking for just like-minded dudes um that's a great place to find it Um, my buddy jeff bethke um, mm-hmm. He's got some resources called Family Teams um, mm-hmm. that's really, really helpful. He's been on the podcast a bunch, but I look to his stuff a lot and just thinking through my our, – our, we have a big family, so thinking through us as a whole team and what does it look like for yeah. us to thrive for the glory of God. Um, so that's really helpful. There's um, probably the best parenting book I've read in the last two years. It's called Hunt, Gather, Parent. It's actually not a Christian book, but it's deeply impacted the way that I parent. So uh, that's worth Googling and checking out, maybe listening to on yeah. audiobook. Um, those are just a couple things off the top of my head. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, Jared, we, we've loved having you on and you taking the time for us. Uh, it's, it's been great. Um, we've loved meeting you. So if, uh, yeah, if there's, obviously we'd love to have you back. And so <laughs> um, we'll try to keep in touch, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on here and encouraging dads and continue to do what you do. Yeah, same to you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for allowing us to be a part of your stewardship journey. Share your journey with us by connecting with us on Facebook or by emailing us at thestewardshippodcast at gmail.com. If this is your first time joining us, we'd love for you to check out our previous conversations. Be sure to tune in next week for another stewardship conversation.